Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to 1 Corinthians in your Bible. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Sam. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Well, um, like we said to the kids, today is the first week of Advent. And actually, um, I want to preface everything today by saying that this is one of those sermons where it may not make sense until the very end. Uh, Sometimes it happens, a lot of times I'll get home and Lori's like, I had no idea where you're going. And then all of a sudden it made sense. So, Try to hang with me uh, this week. I, I, I will try, try to make it make sense, uh, especially in the light of uh, what today is. Anyway, so um, the first study of Advent, and as we said to the kids, kind of the beginning of a new church year. If you'll see, this is our little graphic that kind of uh, sets up the church year. Notice it's a cycle, like it's a circle, right? So it, it goes around and around. Um, we start with uh, Advent right here. And so as you see, this is the story of God. So we'll go through Advent, and it's time for preparation for Christmas, what uh, what Jesus is going to do, what God's going to do through Jesus at Christmas time, the, the birth of Christ. And then we go through a season called Epiphany, and that's just a, usually a time where we kind of look at uh, what Jesus is revealing to us. Wh- who is this Jesus that has come into the world? What is he about? What is he doing? What are his hopes for all of creation? Uh, and then there's Transfiguration Sunday in there, and then uh, Lent is like Advent, and that's a season of preparation for Easter. Uh, and so Lent leads us all the way up to Good Friday, where we retell the story of Christ's death and his resurrection. Uh, and so all of this story, none of it makes sense without the other parts of it. Uh, we can't have Christmas um, without, uh, without Easter. We can't have Easter and Good Friday without, without Advent and Christmas. Uh, and so the whole thing is... is called together. And then the last time, the last date of the story of people of God is the day of uh, Pentecost, and we'll celebrate that after Easter. Easter kind of celebrates, uh, gets us ready for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then this whole section right here, uh, the season after Pentecost, or common time, is is uh, is really, if you, if you follow all the texts that might be there, uh, that uh, the lectionary has for us, uh, will tell us the story of God's people. And so we find ourselves in, um, in that part of the story. But as we go through this cycle each year, and we try to emphasize different things as we go through, um, 
it shapes us into a certain kind of people. Uh, uh, calendars, and, and I know I've said this before, calendars have a very uh, a specific way of ordering our lives, right? So we just had Thanksgiving, which is a uh, purely American holiday, right? Uh, we give thanks for all the goodness that we have because of this country, and we eat turkey and pie, and I had both a lot of those things this week. And it marks a specific day, but it also marks the beginning of a season, right? So Black Friday, also not a holiday, unless you're worshiping capitalism or greed. I don't know. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. So it's not a holiday, but it's, it marks time. It says this is the beginning of time of frantically preparing for Christmas, right? But only Christmas is, for some people, it's a secular holiday. For us, though, it's different. And so I hope, my attention, and this is the way I have experienced this kind of cycle, and so this is why I, I hope will try to lead us through this, is because I've found it meaningful for shaping my own life, for helping me to prioritize the things that are important, uh, preparing for the birth of Christ, for the coming of Christ, and not for getting really good deals for presents for my friends and family. Uh, you see how the, the emphasis is just a, a hair different there in those different in those different things. And so we, we, I hope that this whole cycle, as we go through it year after year, uh, begins to shape us as people who are, who are, have our lives narrated not by the calendar that we follow for work or for school, but by the calendar that tells over and over again of the goodness and faithfulness of God through Jesus Christ for the creation that he created and called very, very good. Ah, so that's where we're going. So Advent is a time of preparation. And um, it's kind of two two ways that we prepare, right? So we prepare for Christ's first coming in Jesus. We sing Christmas songs and we have nativities and uh, all those kinds of things. We get ready for the coming of, of the birth of Jesus. And we'll celebrate that Christmas Eve and we'll light candles and we'll sing joy to the world. We'll light that Christ candle. Uh, but it's also a preparation, a time of preparation for Christ's coming again. And if you followed with us over the last couple of weeks, as we've been rounding through kind of the final parts of gospel, the Matthew's gospel, uh, those whole things are, are about being prepared for when Christ returns again and makes all things right. And so Advent helps prepare us for, for that. We have one eye, if you will, on the birth of Christ. And we have one eye with hopeful expectation on the return of Christ uh, to where everything is made right again. And I hope we'll make sense of this at the very end. We'll bring it all today, uh, together in terms of today's passage. Well, we start this week not with uh, the, normal, the normal texts of, uh, you know, Jesus' birth or John the Baptist preparing the way for, for Jesus' coming, but with uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul, right? You guys remember him from the book of Acts? He was, he was a bad guy. He was a Pharisee. He was persecuting Christians after Jesus uh, died and, and rose again. Uh, but he had this encounter with Jesus Christ, and his life was completely changed. And he went from persecuting the church of Christ uh, to actively working for its benefit. In fact, he traveled all over the known world starting churches. And one of the churches he started was in the city of Corinth, which was an important Roman city. Uh, and uh, it, it was just, it was a big place. And so at one point through his travels, he planted a church there, and now he has gone on and gone somewhere else, but he is writing a letter. 
uh, because he's gotten some news from them, and some of the news is very good, and some of the news is not so good. Uh, the, the Corinthians have some issues, and we'll, we might get into that in just a second. So he says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Suthsenes, I think. Whichever way, I don't care. Uh, so the word apostle just means one sent. Uh, so the apostle Paul is one who is sent, sent by God. Uh, so he, just like we have normal letter writing forms today, uh, the ancient Greeks and Romans did as well. And so Paul would have learned this as a, as a, as a young child. And so he starts this off. He's, he's establishing who he is in relation to who they are. Although he would kind of say they're apostles as well. Uh, I am, he is the apostle of Christ. He's one sent by Jesus by the will of God and with their brother Suthsenes. Now, uh, one of the things that Paul is most concerned with is helping us and his Corinthian friends understand uh, who is the most important person or figure uh, in relation to all of them. And in the first nine verses of this book, Paul will mention Jesus' names uh, ten times. Uh, so he's placing some, some specific emphasis just on, uh, just on Jesus. So he goes a little farther and he says, with the introduction out of the way, he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now a couple of things that are important here. Uh, he, he, obviously he's addressing the church at Corinth. Uh, and, and he calls them, uh, Church was a word in Greek, uh, the uh, ekklesia is the Greek word for it, and it had a really specific meaning. Uh, it, it had the meaning of like a, a gathering that was significant and important, uh, to which you, you belonged. And so Paul is establishing that he is writing to a group of people who aren't just, uh, well, they aren't just a collection of individuals, but they, that they have bound themselves to something that is bigger and more important. Uh, it is something to which they belonged. It, it, it had a membership, and, and even though Paul doesn't talk about it in this particular part, how you joined the church was through was through baptism. This this work of God through your life, where you go into the water dead uh, in, in your filthy sinness, and you come out uh, clean and alive. You die with Christ, raised to new life. So they belong to his church. And, and he says, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, sanctified is a really good word, and it just means to be set apart as holy, uh, to be an instrument that is used by God. And so he said, you belong to this church, you belong to this group of people, and you have been sanctified. You are set apart. God is calling you, as he called Paul, Remember the, the apostle, right? Uh, called to be, called to be people who proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ, who are sent out into the world to tell the world of God's love and His salvation. Called to be saints. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but saints maybe has a little bit of a, a loaded word. If you're from New Orleans, it means football. Um, if you're Catholic, it means all of those uh, Catholic saints that did great things, St. Peter and uh, St. Patrick, right? He's got his own day. Um, but he's not really referring to that. In fact, 
I think I had this image in my mind when I was younger. I was reading, a, I had a, a daily devotional that I was reading, and, and the author kept calling his readers uh, to be saints. And in my own puny, like, adolescent brain, I totally misunderstood, and I'm like, there is just no way that I will ever be a saint. Like, I'm just, I will never be, I will be never be holy enough, I will never be good enough. And so it actually made me, to, to my shame, I guess, it made me put that devotional away and never pick it up again. <laughs> Because I thought what the author was calling me to was, uh, well, it was just way beyond anything that, that God, could, God could do in my life. Oh, but that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, you, you are saints. You are people who, well, that, that you have been set apart for God's good work in this world. You are set apart as holy. And, and as that, God is working in you and through you. Uh, saints are God's people. Uh, regular, run-of-the-mill people who have allowed the Spirit to work in their lives, regular people with all their warts and failures together. Uh, Now, um, the fact that Paul calls the church at Corinth saints should make us feel really good because if we read the rest of the letter, they are anything but saintly. Uh, They have some serious, uh, serious issues fighting and lots of immorality and, and things like that. And, and so Paul is calling them saints even though, like, even though they aren't perfect. So if we, we read this letter as something to us too, um, that we are the church of God in Heartland. We have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in, who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Uh, one of the things that, that Paul is helping us understand is that, yes, they belong to this local group that is in Corinth. Yes, they have been set apart as holy, and, and God is making them into his image, but they also belong to something which is much greater and bigger than just their local church body. Uh, that they belong to the body of Christ, the u- universal, like everybody everywhere who calls on the name of Christ for salvation. Uh, for Paul and the Corinthians, that would have just been a, a small slice of the world. Uh, for us today, uh, that's like the entire world. Like there are people in every country, probably uh, Christians all over the world are are calling on the name of Christ for salvation, and that Paul writes this letter in, in some way to them as well. Well, he goes on. And he says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think, let's go back for a second. All of these things, uh, that they belong to a church, that they are being set apart and sanctified, uh, that Christ is calling them saints, that, that Christ is connecting them with the larger body of believers over across all the world, all of that is a gift of God's grace and God's peace. I think this is really, really important. I think one of the things that Paul is hoping that we'll remember, and we'll get to it in a second, is that everything that we have, everything that we do, everything that we say is a gift of God's grace and his peace to us. He goes on, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and in knowledge of every kind. Again, now, uh, one of the things that's important to know about the Corinthians is they, they were a little big for their britches. 
Like they, they thought a little more highly of themselves than they should have. They were, they were arrogant. Uh, and so if, if they had, Paul's kind of talking maybe out of the both sides of his mouth at, at this point. Um, if they are able to speak eloquently, which was highly valued in the ancient world, it was not because of any gift that they had on their own. It was all, again, because of the grace and peace that God has given to them. Go on. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gifts as you wait for the revealing of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So, um, uh, again, he's, he's wanting to say, look, you, everything you have is a gift from God. Any spiritual gift that you might have is a gift of God. It's not something you have made on your own. It is not something you have, you have, uh, that you innately had because of who you are, because you were born in a certain place or to a certain family. Now, uh, some people make a lot of big deal about spiritual gifts. And they, they take tests and stuff, stuff like that. And uh, I, I guess that's okay. It's just not something I've ever emphasized a whole lot. I know Pastor Gary did, right? I mean, he, he did some of that. It's not bad. Uh, but, but sometimes I've, I've met people, and not necessarily here, uh, but they will wear like their spiritual gift that they, the test told them that they had. Um, they will wear it as a, uh, a badge of pride and honor. And they will look down on other people who do not have that gift. Like, well, I have the gift of prophecy, so you better listen to what I have to say. Right? Or uh, just other thing, they use it as a, as a tool. And that's what the Corinthians were doing. They were, well, they weren't relying on the grace and peace that God was giving to them. They were relying on what they thought were their own gifts. Paul's wanting to remind them. Ah, nope. This is... God's grace and his peace to you. Um, so we, we go for and so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gifts as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is where it, it starts, hopefully, to come together. Uh, the Corinthians, like, they weren't necessarily, they weren't relying on God, right? Which is what Paul's wanting them to do. Uh, they were relying on themselves, and yet they were still hoping that Christ would come back again, as was their hope. Uh, that Christ would begin to, to finish what he started with his death and his resurrection. Their salvation wasn't quite complete yet, like it had begun with Jesus, but it wasn't yet fully there. And, and in the meantime, between those two events, they were relying not on the grace and peace of God, but on themselves. Well, I think, uh, I think a, well, let's go look for him. So, actually, go back here. So, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is going to go back and reveal all things. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is wanting his friends in Corinth. Paul is wanting us to turn and fully look and fully rely on the grace and peace of God as we live in that time between Christ's coming 
and as we anticipate his coming again. Uh, that we learn to rely completely on, on God and everything that he has given to us and not on our own gifts and strengths so that our salvation might be full and complete when Christ comes again. Okay, so a story I think will help us, uh, uh, I think it help us make sense of this. Uh, you guys remember the, the movie Titanic? Right, I'm, I'm king of the world. Is that what that's what's, yeah. Now you're going to sing, my heart will go on all through the rest of the day. Well, okay, so you know that the Titanic, big ship, they thought it was unsinkable. Uh, a whole bunch of people on its maiden voyage head off in from, from, uh, into the North Atlantic, from the first transatlantic, uh, crossing. And what are that, what happens is they run into an iceberg. It rips a hole and, and sooner rather than later, like the, the, the boat begins to tear apart and it begins to sink. Uh, Rose, that's her name, right? Yeah. And Jack need salvation. Like they are in dire, peril. They're going to die. And, and as the ship begins to, to break apart, they end up foot. And I don't know what it is, but uh, there's not room for both of them on it. But clearly there is, I think. There's room. There's room. Thank you. And so Jack's hanging out in the water, and after vowing never to let go, Jack dies, and Rose lets go. And, you know, he floats and down to the bottom of the sea where sharks eat him. I don't know. To make this make sense, Rose is in need of salvation at this point. Jack gets lost. Who cares? That piece of wood that she's floating on in the midst of that frigid Atlantic water is her initial salvation. It it is the the birth and death of Christ, if you will. Uh, That it is it is what has saved her and what is allowing her to continue to be saved. But at the same time, her salvation is not yet complete. Right? Because she can only, she can only last so long on that piece of wood, uh, before something might happen and it's, it's all over. Uh, she, her salvation won't be complete, uh, even when a lifeboat comes and picks her up and gets her on something else. Her salvation will not be complete until she is safe on dry land sitting in front of a fire with warm and dry clothing. That's the return of Christ. And I think, to make the story stretch a little bit, like she had to rely on something as she laid on that, uh, on that cold and wet piece of wood in the middle of the Atlantic. Like she had to have hope and to, to dig down in somewhere to, to believe that like the, the salvation that had already been hers, that had begun, well, that it would come to completion and that she would live out the rest of her days. I think what Paul is saying at the beginning of this letter and what he wants us to say as we participate, as we anticipate both Christ's birth and his death or his, uh, his coming again. That's what I'm doing, right? is that we are going to have to to dig deep and to hope in something that our salvation that has begun with Jesus will be completed with Christ. That one day Christ is going to come back and he's going to fix all that is broken. He's going to heal all those who are sick. He's going to even undo death. 
But what Rose doesn't have, that we do, breaking the analogy, is the grace and peace of Christ. Uh, Rose held on to her, whatever, memory of the hope of what, you know, whatever, to get her through that. That won't do for us. If we truly belong to the church that God has called, if we are truly to be apostles who are sent, if we are truly to be saints, then we will need to be strengthened to the end with the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. My hope is that in the next three, four weeks, as we go towards Christmas Eve and the coming of Christ as a baby and and our celebratory anticipation of his coming again, that you will rely on the grace and peace of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, so that you might finally and fully one day receive the fullness of your salvation when Christ comes again. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this uh, goodness and your grace. Uh, We thank you that you have called us to be um, a body of believers that are, well, that you are strengthening, that you are giving uh, your grace and your peace, that you have given us the ability to communicate what it is that you are calling us to do, that you have granted us the ability to to live with love and faithfulness. Lord, help us to to dig deep into you, to rely not on ourselves and, and what we think we might have, our own gifts, but that we would finally and fully rest completely in you, knowing that we could never do it by ourselves. Lord, as we celebrate Advent, and we look forward to Christmas. Help us to not lose sight of who you are and who you're calling us to be. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.